good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the Off in the S's podcast focusing on the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I am your host Stu and today we are going to be previewing the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. Yes ladies and gentlemen it is finally here the season opener. And we are headed back to Daytona after the roar before the 24 last weekend. But before we get into it, make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite podcasting app to never miss an episode. You can also interact with us on Twitter at Off in the S's or on YouTube at Off in the S's podcast. Links to both of those can be found in the show notes. But without further ado... Let's hop into some news coming out of the roar before the 24. Well, it turns out there will be no team orders for any of the WeatherTech racing cars at Daytona. If you'll recall, there will be three of them this year in the 24. The fine in the final race of GTLM, you'll remember the two WeatherTech Porsches switched first and second positions before the checkered flag based on team orders. Not going to be the same at this year's 24. A few teams also received post-race penalties that will see them lose their starting positions earned in Sunday's qualifying race. Um, It was announced prior to the weekend that IMSA and Michelin have introduced tire usage requirements for all classes, including negative camber values for GTD and GTD Pro. The new operational requirements, which outlined minimum cold and hot pressures, will be enforced by in-race penalties if teams were found to be running outside of the parameters. Teams will first be given a warning for their first violation, followed by a drive-through penalty for the second violation, and a stop-and-hold plus 10-second penalty for any subsequent violations. Well, as it turned out, the number 79 WeatherTech Racing Porsche and number 97 WeatherTech Racing Mercedes, along with the number 16 Wright Motorsports Porsche, were given the equivalent of drive-through penalties. So they were given time equivalents of those drive-through penalties for failing to operate within those parameters that were defined by Michelin and IMSA. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Corvette Racing's Tommy Milner expressed the team's displeasure with the BOP for the C8R as the two team cars placed 8th and 9th in the 100-minute qualifying race on Sunday. Both cars were really a non-factor all weekend as they struggled to adjust to their BOP, which saw them add more weight, have less power, more drag on the car, as well as the transition to customer Michelin tires, which are different from the tires that they previously used in GTLM. It's also not likely to get better for Corvette, as on Tuesday, IMSA handed out more BOP changes for the car. Among the BOP changes, the Corvette received a 15-kilogram increase in minimum weight, but they did, however, receive a slight break on the minimum rear wing angle, which should in turn give them some more straight line speed. The brand new BMW M4 also saw adjustments, as it will put an additional 10 kilograms of weight on and lose 4 liters of fuel capacity. However, like the Corvette, they will also get a rear wing adjustment that will improve their straight line speed. 
Other notable BOP changes include the Acura NSX, which received a hefty 25 kilogram weight break. I wish I could lose 25 kilograms. That's actually a lot of weight. Um, and the Lamborghini and Mercedes both received slight rear wing increases that, again, should slightly help with straight line speed. In some surprise news on Tuesday, Guy Cosmo and Gilbert Korthoff Motorsports have parted ways suddenly. Cosmo had been with the team since they entered IMSA last season and has been released after joining forces with Mike Skeen for a fifth place finish in Sunday's qualifying race. It is not known what led to the last minute change, but it was later announced on Wednesday that James Davison will replace him in the car. James Davison will return to IMSA for the first time since 2017, having previously won a pole in the 24 hours of Daytona. It's currently unsure if he will be staying with the team for the remainder of the season or if he will only race for the 24 hours of Daytona. Alex Pillow has ruled himself out for Sebring, opting to focus entirely on the conflicting NTT IndyCar Series event at Texas Motor Speedway. It is expected, however, that there will be a couple of other IndyCar drivers that will opt to do double duty, but they have not been confirmed yet. It is also likely that Kevin Magnuson will be the third driver in the team's 0-2 Cadillac for Sebring. As Peugeot was recently stated, uh, that it will not partake in the FIA World Endurance Championship scene, uh, season opener that is slated to take place in Sebring that same weekend. In the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge, there are going to be some NASCAR stars of today and tomorrow that will take part in the BMW M Endurance Challenge this Friday at Daytona. Chase Briscoe and Haley Deegan will team up in the number 41 PF Racing Run Ford Mustang GT4, while Harrison Burton and Austin Sindrick will drive the number 42 Mustang. The Porsche 718 GT4 RS Club Sport entries from Black Swan Racing dominated the testing sessions at Daytona for the Grand Sport category. It was a sweep of the top four positions with the number eight McCann Racing Porsche and the number 93 Carbon Porsche rounding out the top four. In TCR, it was a similar sight with Audi taking the three fastest times. Those were set by the number 17 Unitronic JDC Miller Motorsports Audi, number 61 Roadshaker Racing Audi, and the number 44 New German Performance Audi. Free practice one is com was completed on Wednesday with a pair of Porsche 718 GT4 RS Club Sport entries topping the time charts in mixed conditions. Uh, and that is the opening practice for this Friday's BMW M Endurance Challenge at Daytona. Eric Figueres in the number 28 RS1 Porsche led the way in the 60-minute damp session, reeling off a 202.990 to edge out the number 93 Carbon entry of Tyler McQuarrie by just over three quarters of a second. These times came despite BOP adjustments that reduced weight or pardon me added weight and reduced power for those new porsche gt4 entries you'll recall uh, from a moment ago they did dominate in uh, in the early testing sessions last weekend in tcr it was led by the number 17 unitronic jdc miller motorsports audi of mikey taylor in the imza prototype challenge tony's kazame rallied 
the number 60 Wolver Racing Ligier JSP320 Nissan from a lap down to win Sunday's three-hour IMSA Michelin or IMSA Prototype Challenge, pardon me, season opener that uh, featured mixed conditions. Along with co-driver Bruce Hamilton, Kazume experienced his experience in slick conditions shone through in the final hour of, uh, of that race after a safety car allowed them to make their final pit stop and get back on the lead lap. Mimo Gidley and Alexander Karibia had dominated the race up until that point in the number 23 AL Autosport with JDC Motorsport Duquesne D08 Nissan at one point having led the field by an entire lap. After the aforementioned safety car that put much of the field back on the lead lap, they did fade slightly to a third place finish. Patrick Kuhala and Brian Thiens finished second in the number 77 Racetronics Ligier. In some Mazda MX-5 Cup news, it's Bruno Carnario who is confirmed to race for Hickson Motorsports at Daytona. Whether this will turn into a full season ride is to be determined. New team Formidable Racing Team joins the MX-5 grid with 19-year-old Chris Nunes and Joe Adanasio. The team also features John Dean as a team coach who just happens to be the winningest driver in MX-5 Cup history. Not a bad guy to have kicking around the garage. More than 10 rookies are entered into the field this year in the Mazda Itamitsu MX-5 Cup, including the most recent winner of the Mazda MX-5 Cup shootout, Connor Zilch, in the number 72 Hickson Motorsports entry. And um, just just a, a comment about this about this cup. I'm going to talk about it a lot as the season goes on. And one of the really, really great things about this class is just having that single single build they're all mazda mx5 cup cars and it it creates remarkable parity across the vehicles and it contributes last season it contributed to an average margin of victory of just 0.62 seconds incredibly close less than a second was the average margin of victory in this category last season that includes two race finishes at daytona where the differences were one-tenth of a second and 1.3 tenths of a second. So, ladies and gentlemen, if there is a race that you are going to be want to, you will definitely want to watch, a support race, I mean, there's only a couple this week, but if you do not want to miss these MX-5 Cup races, they are going to be incredible to watch. <laughs> Moving on, though, let's get into a little bit of a uh, recap of the roar before the 24. Some notes from the roar before the 24. Josh Pearson, who is confirmed in the Bobby Orgel-led PR1 Matheson Motorsports squad for the Michelin Endurance Cup races. Um, Josh Pearson, who's driving that car, is set to become the youngest driver to compete in the WeatherTech Championship at the age of 15. The PR1 Matheson Motorsports driver has received a one-time waiver from IMSA due to pre-existing licensing circumstances beyond IMSA's control. So uh, that will enable him to race here at Daytona. 
Uh, Pearson, who will turn 16 on February 14th, will become the youngest starter in the 24 hours of Le Mans later this year, as he also will be taking part in a full-time WEC LMP2 ride with United Autosports. IMSA on Friday morning, last Friday morning, issued aerodynamic configuration changes for the DPI cars. Uh, These lowered the rear wing assembly and the rear wing flap angles for both the Acura and the Cadillac. The reason for this change was to reflect achievable and equitable rear aerodynamic configurations. Also, the left side curbs. You remember seeing those photos back in December and uh, and some drivers complaining about them at the December test. Well, those massive turtle curbs that were installed at the exit of the bus stop chicane are not in place for the Roar and the Rolex 24. It's understood that the first of those long curbs were removed midway through a private test session last month, while the second was taken away after the test. Understandably, many of the drivers praised their removal. In free practice one, it was a busy one for race control, with red flags being waved and many violations being noted, most notably for pit road speeding, as drivers were trying to uh, drivers and teams were trying to fine tune their pit road speed limiters the number 10 Wayne Taylor Racing Acura was the quickest by just under 3 tenths of a second over the Meyer Shank Racing Cadillac in LMP2 the number 29 racing team Netherland Orica topped the field at a 136.262 and in LMP3 the number 36 Performance Tech Motorsports Ligier came in at a 143.413. Jan Halen topped the GTD ranks, beating out the GTD Pro class in his Wright Motorsports Porsche with a 146.4. The TR3 Racing Lambo topped GTD Pro with a 146.8. In free practice two, Acura's Tom Bloom, Bloomquist pardon me, was atop the time sheets setting a 134.351 in the number 60 Acura. In LMP2, it was Rennie Rast in the number 68 G-Drive Racing Orica. And in LMP3, it was the number 33 Sean Creech Motorsports Ligier, JSP320 Nissan of Malthe Jakobsen that led the way. In GTT Pro, the number 63 TR3 Racing Lamborghini of Mirko Bordaletti was quickest with a 146.516. And in GTD, it was the Sun Energy One racing Mercedes of Rafael Marcello that went fastest with a 146.6. Finally, finishing up with free practice three, it was Ricky Taylor that went on to top the DPI order and make it an accurate sweep of practice with a time of 134.592. Rennie Rast again set the tone in LMP2 with a time of 135.8, while Seb Prio led the LMP3s with a 143.395. The number 63 Lamborghini again put in the fastest time in GTD Pro with Mirko Bordaletti posting a 145.7. Paul Holton was the top driver in GTD with his crucial Motorsports McLaren posting a 145.9. But meanwhile, in all three sessions, the BMW M4 GT3 and Corvettes both remained near the bottom of the standings. And that was present throughout 
the roar before the 24 weekend. Meanwhile, as a result of an accident in Free Practice 3 Gradient Racing, was working to repair their Acura in time for Sunday's qualifying race. The car sustained right rear damage from two impacts with the wall after looping around coming out of the kink in drizzly conditions on Saturday. The team did end up getting the car repaired and was able to finish 16th in class in the qualifying race. In that qualifying race in DPI, it was number 10, Konica Minolta Acura, that will start on pole with Ricky Taylor and Felipe Albuquerque winning the 100-minute qualifying race. It wasn't without drama, though, as on the final lap, the number 5 piloted by Tristan Vautier and Russell Westbrook made a hard charge to the inside in turn 1, which ultimately led to the 5 car spinning. They were able to quickly recover, though, and bring it around for a P2 finish. The number 48 of Kamui Kobayashi and Jimmy Johnson rounded out the podium in third place. In LMP2, it was Ben Keating and Mikael Jensen that took pole with Stephen Thomas and Jonathan Bomarito completing the front row sweep for PR1 Matheson Motorsports. The G-Drive number 68 locked up third, driven by Francois Hiroux and Rene Rast. Jared Andretti and Josh Burden took LMP3 honors by lapping the field over second place Ayrton Ori and Moritz Krantz. Ori Fadani and Kuno Whitmer will start the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona in third. In GTD Pro, it was a very close battle all race long and a ton of fun to watch. I would highly recommend going back and re-watching this one just to see these battles again. Uh, but it was the number 63 Lambo of Mirko Borelletti and Andrea Calderelli who will start on pole by less than half a second from the number 79 WeatherTech Porsche of Julian Andlauer and Alessio Picriello. The number 9 Faf Porsche of Mathieu Jamine and Felipe Nazar will start third, having finished just over a second behind the winners. And finally, in GTD, it was Russell Ward and Lucas Auer in the number 57 Mercedes taking pole from the number 59 crucial McLaren of John Miller and Paul Holton. Ryan Hardwick and Jan Halen round out the podium in the number 16 Porsche. There was some, there was a couple of incidents in this race as contact between the number 96 Turner Motorsport BMW M4 GT3 of Bill Oberlin and Tom Gamble's number 27 Heart of Racing Aston Martin ended both teams' races roughly halfway through the race. A total of 54 of the 61 starters finished the race. Also among the retirements were three LMP3 entries, including the number 74 Riley Motorsports Ligier of Gar Robinson, who went behind the wall on lap 5, and the number 54 Core Autosport Ligier didn't even start the race due to a mechanical issue found during warm-up. Now to set the scene for this weekend's Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. Of course, we'll take you through a bit of the track background first. And Daytona International Speedway, just one of the best circuits in the world. And its history dates back to 1903 and starts out 
on what is known as the world's most famous beach. The birthplace of speed, as it is often referred to as, has hosted speed trials until 1935, before those were moved over to the Bonifil Salt Flats in Utah. From that point forward, stock car racing really set in. Over the coming years, NASCAR would be founded, and it would be quickly recognized that a permanent facility was needed. On February 22, 1959, the World Center of Racing hosted the first Daytona 500, and it set the stage for what would become the most iconic stock car race in the world. The 3.56-mile, 5.73-kilometer road course that will be raced on this weekend was built in 1959 and hosted the first iteration of what would become the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona in 1962 with the three-hour-long Daytona Continental. It was not until 1966 when the race would become 24 hours. While various, while various changes have been made over the years, the track layout has largely maintained uh, its original layout and character, with any changes that have been made largely keeping the same track layout. This year, we will see 61 cars take to the track, which is the most that have raced in the 24-hour race since 2014. They will be spread out across five different classes with DPI featuring seven entries, LMP2 with 10 entries, LMP3 also with 10 entries, GTD Pro with a very impressive 13 entries, and an extremely strong showing from the GTD category with 22 entries. In 2021, the race-winning car of the Konica Minolta Acura, Felipe Albuquerque, Helio Castroneves, Alexander Rossi, and Ricky Taylor turned 807 laps in the event. The other 2021 class winners were in LMP2, the 18 Era Motorsports car of Derek Merriman, Kyle Tilly, Ryan Danziel, and Paul Luchatin. In LMP3, it was the number 74 Riley Motorsports machine of Gar Robinson, Scott Andrews, Oliver Askew, and Spencer Piggott. In GTLM, it was the number three Corvette of Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor, and Nikki Katzberg. And finally, in GTD, it was the 57 Windward Racing Mercedes of Russell Ward, Philippe Ellis, Indy Dante, and Mauro Engel. A fun fact about Daytona that will come into effect this weekend during the nighttime hours is that the track operates the speedway lights at 20% of their maximum brightness, which ensures that drivers must rely on their headlights at night. Some things to watch for at Daytona this weekend. Well, it's a very, very quick track with lap times from different classes ranging from the 1 minute 30s for the DPIs and down to the 1 minute 46s for the GTDs. There are some very good passing opportunities into turn 1, as we saw that Mustang sample in Cadillac try and take advantage of on the last lap in the Roar Before the 24 race, however, being unsuccessful in doing so. The International Horseshoes also feature good passing opportunities, and you might even just see an opportune dive into the bus stop chicane. In a race this long, it's important to keep in mind that if a car loses a lap, it does not mean that they're out of the running. Just need to think back to the great comeback that the Mazda DPI made in the 2021 season finale at Petit Le Mans, where they rebounded from being down three laps to win that race.
And like the Roar before the 24, it is going to be a chilly 2022 edition of the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona as temperatures are forecasted to be 49 degrees Fahrenheit or 9 degrees Celsius at race start and going down to 38 Fahrenheit or 3 degrees Celsius at midnight before rising back up to 51 Fahrenheit, which is approximately 10 degrees Celsius for the race finish. So if you're going to be attending Daytona, make sure to bring a jacket. In terms of other racing that is on this weekend, well, I mean, I don't know what else you'd rather be watching other than the Rolex 24, but if you are looking for some racing-related content to, uh, to dip into, the Embedded series posted their most recent episode, this time featuring the 24 Hours of Sebring that they did late in 2020, which was the first outing for the M4 GT3 car in North American competition. But for the IMSA racing schedule this weekend, there is a decent amount of coverage going on and you do not want to miss a moment of it. On Thursday, things get underway with the season opener for the Mazda Itamitsu MX-5 Cup with race one at 525 Eastern time. This can only be viewed on IMSA TV. On Friday, the Mazda Itamitsu MX-5 Cup goes again at 10.10 a.m. Eastern. Again, only on IMSA TV. And then later in the day, the Michelin Pilot Challenge BMW M Endurance Challenge will start at 1.30 Eastern time on IMSA TV and Peacock. On Saturday, well... Saturday is when the big boys race. The Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona will get underway at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC, IMSA TV, and Peacock, with coverage continuing throughout the night and concluding at 1.30 on Sunday afternoon. Coverage for those in the U.S. will bounce around between NBC, Peacock, and USA channels while international viewers can watch for free on IMSA TV. In case you miss it, you can watch all of these races back on the IMSA YouTube channel, and I will post the broadcast schedule specifically for U.S. viewers in the show notes. That will wrap up our Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona preview episode. Again, a big thank you to our early Patreon supporters. And if you too want to support the show, then you can go to patreon.com slash off in the S's. You can also support the show by hitting that subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcasting app to never miss a new episode and by leaving us a review. You can follow along with us on Twitter at Off in the S's or YouTube at Off in the S's Podcast. Once again, a big thank you for tuning in. I hope everybody has a great race weekend that doesn't go Off in the S's.